And for me, stepping away and pushing so much to educate business, government, community here in Australia, it was easier for me to go, they're not ready yet, I've done my bit for now, and to focus on students, because that's changing generations. Hi everyone, my name's Alicia Power, and welcome to the Alicia Power Show. Today I've got a very special guest, Anne-Marie McInerney, and we actually recorded an interview about uh, three years ago, and I'm very excited to hear from Anne-Marie, the latest of what she's up to. Now, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background of who Anne-Marie is. In 2005, uh, I actually attended Anne-Marie's inaugural that she founded and organised, her inaugural Corporate Social Responsibility Summit. And from that, she formed an organization called MOSS, Models of Success and Sustainability. And MOSS supports Australian business through education, training, networking and advice to drive sustainability and competitive business success, helping them to achieve their goals and sustainability aspirations. Anne-Marie is an incredible leader and an incredible kind of warrior for the planet and for humanity. And that's why I'm incredibly excited to have her back today. Hello, Hi, Marie. Hi. <laughs> I'm just so excited to catch up and to find out where you've been in the meantime and what you've been up to in the meantime with Moss, uh, all the activities and all the achievements and successes. And But the first thing I just want to for everybody watching this, one of the reasons why I've pulled you on here again today is I want to ask about how you feel about the current situation on the planet uh, in terms of um, not so much the economic situation, but very much uh, the environmental situation and the tipping points that are coming up very, very, very soon. How humanity is even considering that. And, but more importantly, what is your view inside of yourself? How are you feeling about that? Because you are a warrior of hope. <laughs> you really, really are. And that's what you bring to everything that you do. And so I want to just ask, where, do you, where are you sitting at the moment with hope for the planet and with ho hope for humanity? What's happening in your heart? <laughs> Oh, so there's so many questions in that and a lot to unpick. Let me start by saying, look, the tipping points are extremely real and I have been very concerned about it for a really long time. And I had to sit with myself in terms of what is it that I can and will do. Now, people often say to me, how do you stay so up? And it's because I choose to look at the positive stuff that's going on out there rather than the negative stuff. I choose to look for solutions and, you know, we're in a country that's had good initial environmental policy that was unpicked. These changes of governments and everything's constantly changing and I'm delighted with the current changes that we have with the current government. But we are still so far behind the eight ball and there's so much to do. So I chose um, a few years ago to focus on a couple of different things. So my big focus has been innovation, education and investment. So there is loads of phenomenal innovation out there. And when you 
learn about it. It's really exciting stuff. So it normally blows people's minds when I start to tell them about things that are going on because it is, it's, it's the future. These are the new jobs of the future. And education has always been at the core of what I've done over the last 20 years. And I, for the last four years, have spent half of my sort of time, about 30 hours a week, uh, running education programs for kids. So from kinder right the way through to university, um, it's all aligned to the curriculum and that's a great space to have been playing in whilst the rest of the world was, and certainly in Australia, things were starting to catch up because I was getting really frustrated and the more I would think about it, the worse I'd become uh, <laughs> with inaction. I'm seeing a lot of people stepping up, which is fantastic. And this is one of the advantages, you know. If you look at every horrid situation, there is always some positive to come out of it. So I look for the positives and the negatives and the negatives and the positives because there's so, always... So what are the positives? What are the positives? So what are the main positives that I see is people are actually waking up and now taking action. And so many people are living very differently. If I look at education and what's happened, we've got new generations who think and purchase differently to our generation, for example. And that's exciting because we needed those changes. And when things get really bad, people come together and find solutions. And that is hmm. what they're doing. So innovation, education and investments, the last key. Now, I don't come from a finance background. But I knew I needed to do something. And initially, I just thought it would be bringing people who worked in that space together. But that wasn't to be the case. I needed to go deeper than that. So I have found some direct funding sources myself. And I've tapped into humanitarian funding. Now, we can't keep doing the same old thing that we've been doing, whether it's farming uh, whether it's how we build houses and communities, we have to do that differently. So I have found some of the brightest minds in the country who specialise, whether it's in poverty alleviation, how to build stronger, uh, more resilient communities, brought them together. And we've got about, there's over 100 projects that have already been approved and there's about another 100 in the pipeline in terms of what is it that we need that will create jobs, that will create create true sustainable development and do it in a way that leapsfrog old technology and old mindsets and ways of being for future generations? Because we've got generations now, these younger people, who are suffering all sorts of mental health issues um, because they're so concerned about what's happening with the environment. We've come out of Australia, um, a La Linea, where loads of rain, um, massive flooding, some of these communities being flooded over and over again. And we're going to continue to see that into the future. And we can't live the same way that we have. We're about to go into a really hot, dry summer. And that's going to be, again, problematic because Australia is one of the hottest, driest continents on earth. Um, burns frequently, frequently, we're going to see many more wildfires and that's extremely distressing um, because of not just the human, you know, burning of homes, we're losing lives, but the destruction to the environment is, is really soul destroying. So my focus is on what can we do, looking at new ways of doing it. It's been 
quite frustrating for me because the humanitarian funding that we've tapped into um, has been very slow in coming together because it's funding that needed to be approved pretty well by every country on earth. We're actually taking um, historical bonds and things that have had not a great deal of value and the world came together and said, yes, we can make sure that uh, if they are used for the right purposes for humanitarian benefits to create jobs, we'll allow them to come back into the community at the rates of what they're really truly valued at. So there's some very old sort of historical bonds and assets. I don't want to get into the complexity of all the financials of having to change financial systems and all sorts of things to allow this to happen. But we're on the brink of that coming together now. And it's been very hard for people to sit and wait for that to happen. And regardless of me often saying to people, you know, you've got to sustain yourself doesn't matter what it is. Go out, find a means to get some income, to put food on the table, a roof over your head, keep your projects going. And it's a it's a time of real challenge to trust one's inner self. Are you talking about a lot of these innovators where you're whispering in their ear and saying, keep going, keep going, even though the funding isn't there? You're the one that's oh, giving, hope, them, giving yeah. them the hope. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a big task. I hold that light and that energy. And Alicia, it's the work that I do with you and the teams that actually allow me to do this. You know, they've been cleaning me up. How long have I known you and been working with you and these guys? It's been a long time. The you know, spirit world, yes. Many odd years, you know, directly yes. with you and um, particularly the monthly uplift I mean that's just mm. ordinary with what that does and I just come out of that a new elevated sort of person <laughs> there's no oh I'm so pleased that. I'm so pleased um just for the viewers I hold uh, with my spirit guides an incredible monthly live stream live where the spirit guides come and take us into the worlds of spirit and um where they clean us with spirit light and uplift us with spirit light. That's what Anne-Marie's mentioning here, and she's part of that group that uh, anyone can join. You're more than welcome to come on to at my website, soulmentoring.com. Anne-Marie, I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. I just want to say, um, on behalf of humanity, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for simply just being the leader, taking it upon your shoulders, deciding to do this, uh, looking around, perhaps nobody else is doing it. So you decide to do it. You go, well, no one else is doing this. I'm going to be the voice. I'm going to be the heart, the hope. I'm going to keep pushing, unrelenting, consistently. <laughs> it's, been, it's been such an interesting journey because I have always known that I've loved animals. It was the thing that's driven my whole life. And I couldn't have imagined where it was going to take me. And I do what I do because they're the ones that need the help. Humanity is going to be okay, but, you know, the rest of the species, they're the ones because we can't survive without them. They can survive without us. In fact, they'd thrive without us. And along the way, I really had to tap into something deep within and just always believe in that. And dreaming is part of that process. I would be given a problem. Here's a little problem. Can you go and solve it? And I would just quickly work through in my mind, yeah, I can do this, this and this, and I would just go out and do it. And for a long time, 
I didn't ever question it. And when I questioned it, that sometimes when I came unstuck because I wasn't always trusting what I just knew, what I was being given. But along the way, I really did have to learn to dream. And I have been involved, as you know, with the environmental space for about 20 years now. And I started uh, another foundation um, with a colleague a few years back. And as part of what we were doing, I was thinking, you know what? I don't want to just work with millions of dollars. If I can't work with billions of dollars, I'm not interested. And I was starting to realise that I was really calling in and just putting a stake in the ground and going, this is it. If I don't have access to that, I had no idea how any <laughs> of that was going to come into play. But I knew I needed to do it and people thought I was absolutely mad with the time, energy and effort that I spent you know, finding the correct connections. But I didn't need to do much. I just needed to turn up and have a really clear intent of what it was that I wanted to do because when you have that clarity, you're like that magnet and it's drawn to you. So I've got people who bring projects to me from around the world. They found me. It's extraordinary. There's going to be a great book out of this one day. Um, but I, I you know, know what the, what the title of the book's going to be? Hope. Well, it, it is you know, it is a great title for it. It's a great title for it. I, I just, what you've just described, which is when you're clear and the, the it's just a feeling, it's a knowing, it's a clarity. Knowing, really. <clears throat> you just know. Yes. And from the power, the sort of echo of that clarity, the gravity, uh, yeah, it's like gravity. It's a force. The clarity is a force. And it pulls people to you. Oh, it absolutely does. And, you know, I get up and, you know, talk at different conferences and, you know, run my own events and stuff. And the people just come up behind me and go, can I stand really close to you to have a little bit of what you've got? <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, it is a zest for life, but it's also a knowingness that I'm doing something that's positive, that can contribute. And every single one of us can play their part. You know, we can all, whether it's recycling at home, whether it's making better decisions on what we purchase, not necessarily get caught up in guilt because we do have a guilty pleasure <laughs> that we might have indulged and purchased at some stage or another. Sometimes we need a little bit of fun in our lives. But, yes, yeah, and look, it has not been easy always holding the light, but uh, if you believe in something and you just keep taking positive steps forward and don't get caught up in the naysayers. That's the worst thing you can do. And there's horrid stuff happening in the world. So I focus on the good stuff that's happening, um, do lots of joyful things, head into nature, hang out with my dog. You know, my husband and I, we, we really relish the simple little things, growing flowers, whatever it is, you know. So I think they're always the keys to what is success to, to what brings and creates success in life. So your driver is so deep inside of you, almost from birth, like where you were born and weren't even sure how to even steer this huge driver, right? Where to focus it. It was like this huge force inside of you. I, I just want to say um, 
And and I just want to say so many of us are born with that. And to even take a moment and to feel into that, everyone watching this, and to and to feel inside of yourself, where is your driver? Where is your deep passion? Without any logic to it. Just Absolutely. What is that passion? And just like Anne-Marie, to give yourself permission to just hold that passion and to start walking forward. It's like holding it in a, in a precious little basket of us. It's been Easter here recently of Easter eggs, right? It's just, it's a fragile thing. You're just holding it, but keep holding it, keep acknowledging it, keep honoring it, right? And uh, like gravity, like that force, allow realities, allow circumstances, allow people to be pulled towards you. I really love this concept. I just want to sort of pause a moment and just focus on it. This concept of you being like a tuning fork or like a lighthouse. Uh, and all it is, is you are standing there in your knowing of this unbelievable, unlimited force of wanting, you know, seeing the need for change. That's it. And knowing how to create it. You know, we have to really be courageous. I'm doing stuff that, you know, people read some of my business plans and the sort of um, focus of where I want to go and they just go, you're not just on a helicopter up there, you're on a satellite and you have to trust, you've really got to trust your own knowing of what you've got to do. So don't play small, go big if that's what your inclination is because you will only ever achieve where you set the bar or even below it. So set it as high as you can. And I'm so excited for what the next few years is going to bring because it will create global change. The The scope of what's being done is very significant. And, and if I doubted myself at any stage, I wouldn't have moved it forward. I just had to allow for people to not be interested, think I'm crazy, and most people don't get it. You know, I'm, <laughs> I really have a very big vision and a lot of people think, you know, it's fantastic but I don't want to do it and that's fine, you don't have to do it. But if you've got a calling and most people who have a calling know, they don't always know what to do with it. So I think a really important part of that is to... Yeah, as you've said too, tune in. What? Where's your passion? Where's your love? What is it that you know? And it could be sport related. And it doesn't even have to be about doing sport. It's about creating an environment for you to see whatever your aspiration is come together. You know what I loved what you just said is that people are going to think you're crazy. This is something that because something that I work with is working with the worlds of spirit and acknowledging that there's a world of spirit, talking with it lucidly and clearly. Uh, a lot of people think I'm crazy. <laughs> and as an ex-journalist, um, I've got a very logical mind and a very inquiring and curious mind. And so I dive into that project, which is my lifelong project, of uh, asking questions of the worlds of spirit and learning as I'm in a university learning from the worlds of spirit what do they know so it's talking to the intelligence of the quantum world if you like and so so many people think i'm crazy i'm just like you i just step out and i go i don't really mind if people think i'm crazy because uh it's so important that the importance of what i'm doing is hasn't got a you know it's beyond valuable same with you 
It's like everyone watching this. Don't worry if people think you're crazy. Just keep following your dreams, right? That's just something that's so important. Amory, I just want to ask you uh, something very quickly. You're playing with teams of innovators. You you found the the cutting edge innovators, the ones that are brave, uh, the ones that are going against their logic and against everybody else's opinion, the ones that are seeing the future and what it what it needs. Um, is there a cohesion? Is there are there conversations with government, for example? Is there any support from government? Is there any um, marrying uh, with government? Um, so that, so that, and and also what I'm uh, trying to say here is uh, means of communication to the public, where you know the ministers involved, um, <clears throat> sure they're getting on our main media channels and are talking, but is there enough of that? Meaning that you know to bring to bring the public along with you in terms of education where they're just exposed to that conversation a little bit more in the media. Um, I know some of it's happening and and hopefully it doesn't die down and go cold, like the conversation to go cold. So <clears throat> I'm just wondering about that conversation in the media, in the public forum, um, but also are there conversations happening with government? Uh, Look, you know, are they working with you? conversations happening with some governments. The worse the situation, the more the conversations are happening. But some people are so, you know, government and, you know, it's, it's about politics. And when it's about politics, that's often where we get stuck. It's got to be about what can we do for the greater good. If I just look at the debacle of the river systems here in Australia and what they're not doing, you know, there are solutions around the rest of the world. I've got a water technology that cleans the river systems in Europe. Now, Europe have policy. Um, to ensure that only clean water is allowed out into our oceans. And as a result of that, there were some problems in the Netherlands where they had to actually find innovation that would aerate the water. They've got a system, uh, it's working an absolute treat. Now, that technology could come into Australia. I'm almost over attempting to have conversations in this country because they really don't want to know about it. So. For, because, what we, for what reason? Because they've already got, you know, the complexity of this, it's got to follow this process, this system, mm -hmm. uh, this is the way we do things, and they've got their own views and their own technologies where they've got a vested interest. That's, that's a problem. It's not meaning that they're necessarily going to get a kickback, but if they've got a mate with a technology or um, if you're not a member of my organisation, I'm not going to look at your technology. I mean, it's just... Sometimes it is really hard, but there is a lot going on that's getting the support of the governments around the world. They need to see it in place. They don't want to support the early innovators. They want to see it happening. So a lot of people are out there, they're doing it, and when it gets to a critical point, then it can be exposed. And that's, there is, that is an easier pathway for me. I know that once we actually have some of these projects up and running and we can actually say to people, this is how you do it. Because for me, this is what it is. This is all a global showcase. We're going to take these technologies. We're going to put them out. We're going to utilise them. You know, yesterday I was talking to one of my collaborators in terms of flood mitigation and he's been trying to get it up in all sorts of countries and he said he's finally had some breakthrough with the Philippines government. 
he said it only came because they had such a problem, didn't know how to fix it. And he said, look, let me just, let's sit down and, you know, have a bite to eat and let me just explain it. Well, they spent pretty well all afternoon together. This guy was a scientist and this, the politician was a scientist and he heard it all and it was like, that makes absolute sense. Yes, we're now going to proceed and do it. Sometimes to have those conversations is really hard. Everyone has, uh, you know, it's all that short attention spans. If they don't get it, you know, in a 30 second grab, um, they, they don't have time to read stuff. The um, advisors of government, they're young, they're just out of university. There's pluses and minuses in that, but who knows at all? You have got to be prepared to spend the time and invest the time to really find a solution. And unless you hurt enough, you're not going to do that. So it's happening. There is extraordinary stuff happening out there. Um, and it's got to sometimes get to scale before it can then really be taken to market to shown to everybody. And then they'll go, oh, wow, fabulous. I'll get on board. But it's well, not that's, easy. That's a problem, isn't it? I was just going to say it that's a problem. problem. A to get it problem. to scale. Uh, there's money involved. There's time involved. And yet the solutions... Are so desperately, so desperately needed now, yesterday. Five years ago, I was saying to people, we've got a, and this is what all the studies were saying, we have a 10-year window of opportunity. If we do not invest the money now, we are going to end up with an absolute catastrophe on every single level. Um, Sir Nicholas Stern at the time, he's Lord Stern now, he was the head of the, I think it was the World Bank, he's an economist, and he was asked to do a study on behalf of the UK government to actually look at the economics of climate change. And he said, if we do not invest, uh, only, only a small amount of money, if we do not invest 3 to 5% of GDP into technologies, we're going to end up with something so catastrophic, it's like combining the two world wars and the depression together all at once, and we will never recover. Now, two countries stood up over the subsequent sort of years and said, we're going to invest 1%, and then China has invested up to 3%. Had everybody been investing 1% to 3%, we wouldn't be having to pay 1% to 3% to fix the problems, like from the fires, you know, floods, all of those sorts of things. It's still just short-sightedness. That's the problem. And the vested interests. Governments are still so interested in being re-elected rather than doing the work of the people. And that's what I've really appreciated with people like um, the former Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern. It's what I'm really appreciating with... Uh, uh, Anthony Albanese here in Australia. It's like it's not. It's about doing the right thing. Let's just get rid of the politics and get on with the job at hand. We must stop taking politics out of looking after the people because that's not what it's about. It's actually about the care and concern and about providing leadership. What are the solutions? And, you know, we're growing food in deserts now. I mean, what we're doing is quite extraordinary. We are able to do this. We are able to fix it. But if we do not wake up and listen to what the scientists, whether it's the economic, uh, whether it's the economics of climate change, uh, whether it is in fact 
the climate scientists with the IPCC report, we're in serious trouble. Nature can survive and thrive without us, but we will be dead if we don't look after nature. You just take the bees out of the equation. Um, Bees gone, humanity's dead. We've got nothing to eat. You know, we've got to learn to work and live in harmony. We're doing that much better than we've ever done, but we've got to wake up. And sometimes people only wake up because something so horrible has happened to them. Mm -hmm. I just want to ask also, I know that uh, you need probably extra, what they say, arms and legs, you know, help. I need to clone myself, thank you very much. (laughs) People to help you. But I was going to ask about... um, a project which you probably don't have time to do, but an entire project, which is a, a media department, right, as an extension of what you're doing, where all of the stories, all of the people, the innovators that you're in contact with, all of the solutions that you're aware of and that you've connected with for mitigating climate change uh, and to create an echo chamber, as I was saying before, of conversation in, in the public arena through cultivating relationships with journalists, for example, or a journalist. And um, I know the the Guardian has a dedicated environmental section, right, Mm -hmm. in its online and probably, you know, its print version as well. So they have committed to talking about the environment and solutions. They do a great job of it. That's right. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, like relationships with the media where you're feeding them the stories, where you become a respected source uh, for that cutting edge innovation. What's happening? What's being put forward? um, You know, what solutions are out there so that those solutions become front and centre, you know, in the public mind. And if the politicians aren't moving on those solutions, then the force of public opinion starts making them move on those solutions because uh, the public is informed through that media contact, through these, through that exposure in the media, constant stories about solutions. Anyway, just saying. <laughs> That's yeah, my little I'm, idea. So, and the thing is, I can either spend my time telling people about this stuff or I can spend my time doing it. And right now I'm focusing on doing it because yes. once that funding comes in, the plan is there. The you know, we will be filming, we'll be telling the stories, all of these will become case studies and we're deliberately doing it this way so we can take it to the rest of the world. And I'm also establishing a new Global Sustainability Institute which is going to tackle how we make these changes in a very different way. I, again, you know, don't want to talk too much about it. It'll all get rolled out, the plans are there. The money's been approved, just waiting for it to come in and then we'll really kick off. So it's frustrating while you sit and wait. But because, you know, my background is so interesting and so eclectic, you know, having worked in major, having run marketing agencies, you know, running major uh, global projects, running PR um, agencies, you know, I've been there and done that and I'm utilising all of that to know what needs to be done but we've got to survive. We've got to actually have the case studies. And I just, I don't have enough time to take on anything new. So I continue to do the next plausible thing that I can so that the projects 
get approved, get funded and start to roll out. So trust me, that part of showing them how to do it is there in bucket loads. And that's part of my focus is to take all the work that everybody's doing and taking it and being a really trainer, the train the trainer, taking something that's complex, making it quite simple and showing others how to do it because it's not rocket science, but it's a very different way of doing things. Anne-Marie Huxley, this conversation needs to be watched by everybody on the planet. <laughs> they need to well, know what you're doing. People need to know what you're doing and, and people need to line up behind you and help you. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I was asked recently by um, a speakers bureau to, if they, they want to put me forward for a water conference, I said, fine, the dates were going to work and wrote some very specific material up and gave it to them. In the end, they didn't choose me. They actually chose a media personality because it's like, I'm going to get more people at the conference if they've got this, you know, well-known person there. And look, so be it. I had a wonderful weekend doing other stuff that I didn't have to work. But it's disappointing that you've got people making decisions. Everyone at that water conference needed to hear what I had to say and they would have been blown away by it totally blown away by it. Instead, they chose to, you know, nice person, media personality that they booked and utilised for it, but they're not hearing the real stories. And I can either get frustrated with that or just move on and focus on what I can do. So once this funding is here um, and it's it's very close, I really have to uh, rejig where how and and how I spend my time because I'm going to be inundated. I've got to have the right teams behind me so we can continue to keep dupl duplicating this. But the focus is for me innovation, education, and investment. And if we put all of those three together, which is what I'm doing. So some of those projects were coming in. Some of the farming projects that were looking at old-fashioned ways of farming that were never going to be sustainable. It's like taking those and rewilding and look at really, new, and they're not even new, they're actually old ancient sort of methodologies mm. sometimes of, of how we do things, bringing them into play. There are going to be so many great stories out there and I'm looking forward to telling them. So the best is yet to come, Alicia. And in Oh, the I'm so excited. You know what, Anne-Marie, um, I was going to ask uh, for you to describe how you manage Disappointment, how you manage challenge. And I think you've just described it. You just keep going, like the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You know, how to keep how you're keeping hope alive, how you when you do meet a challenge. And, and it seems insurmountable, you know. What do you do inside yourself? Well, I've just had a little challenge. Um, and most people would relate to this because technology is not easy and we've just built a new website. It's been two years in the making and the web developer was not listening, was not listening. Anyway, the long and the short of it, the money that was invested into it, that website's not going to work and we've got to start afresh again and go back. And he's told me all the things that I asked for two years ago because he told me the existing website was too brittle and it was never going to work. He's now telling me, oh, we can fix that because that's really where you're at and where it needs to be. And it's like, 
I was so furious. <laughs> we all got angry and I was <laughs> livid that we've gone around in circles for two years. Yes. And it's taken me three weeks. So this is not an easy thing, but it's taken me three weeks <laughs> and I've, I just had to let it go. And it's like, do I get bogged down in where it's been or do I move forward? And I'm just mm. trying to move it forward. I've got to mm. accept the losses and move forward. So sometimes you've got to sit with it. Sometimes it's five minutes you need to sit with it. Sometimes you have to be angry and get it out somehow. And it was just time for me. And, yeah, just what can I do instead of dwelling in it? What can I do and just move on? So that's mostly how I do it. So what you're describing is being very careful uh, not to allow anything, uh, any trigger on the outside to squash the power that you have, which is like a, that clarity is a power, right? Mm. So not to let anything squash that power and that clarity, no matter what it is. Websites yeah. come and go, but yeah. you... You know, you as the the lighthouse has to just keep shining and that brightness has to stay. <laughs> right. That's so very true. But also we if if we've got power, we have to remember that it can be used in the wrong way. And I could, you know, I didn't want to vent this at the developer. I'm over venting it with the developer. It took three, two years for him to wake up to what I've been saying to him. So one of the things that I am very concerned about in the world is how angry we are with each other and how much anger there generally is out there. So be careful. The more powerful you are and the more clarity you have, the more you can really hurt other people and really knock them for a six. So we've got to do it from a way where we're not feeling that emotion get over it we look at the logical things that we have to do and continually try and come from the heart so we can smoothly you know progress to the next stage because nobody benefits we're all sick of being hit over the head you know sometimes we deserve it um, but we have to learn to actually communicate with each other better understand where that anger comes from and i'm pretty peeved off that um you know, I was angry with myself for having paid money when he hadn't completed something because I trusted him. He was somebody that I knew. Um, so I knew some of that anger was directed at myself. So whatever it is, you know, be gentle on yourself, be gentle on others and remember the power that you hold for the damage that it can do to others. Because when we treat others the way we want to be treated, especially when we've made a mistake, that stuff can really change the world. That stuff is almost more important than anything else. Mm. We've got to come from heart and understanding of where they're coming from and the commitments that they have. And sometimes they can change on a dime by hearing the right story. And what, um, you're, describing, what you're describing is teamwork because to walk forward all of us together, each of us doing our part, we need to be gentle with each other and honour each other's willingness to do, yes, differences. Because those differences is in many ways what the what makes the world go round. And so well, being a leader, what would you say 
what's your definition of a leader in that context? I think my definition of a leader is somebody who trusts themselves. It's some of us have had to work quite hard to have a trade to understand, to really study how things work. I need to know how things work. And until I do, I can't really go public with it. But if it's, I think a leader is having humanity, having a heart, sometimes getting out of your head, getting into your heart, doing the right thing, even if it hurts you at that time. We can't, we can't continue to keep thinking about the short-termism you know, it can't be myopic. We have to think of the bigger picture. And every decision that we make, who is it impacting? So is this for the greater good or not? And if it's not, sometimes we shouldn't be doing it. And leaders have to make hard decisions. But if they do it honestly, coming from heart and not from head and not from that masculine energy of, my job is to stand up and oppose things to get a different view. We don't always need to stand up and oppose things for a different view. I think most people have different views. And the more we come together with heart and not with, not with anger and not with stance of I have to do and be a certain way, I think that is an incredible leader. To stay open. Yes. Stay open. There's some great um, stories of leadership out there, whether it's somebody who has come from abstract poverty, you know, to working hard to make it in their sport, for example, who then it's not even so much about winning in their sport. It's about the humanity that they bring to their teammate and to their communities and what they give back. Is it about taking from everybody? Is it from wanting more money, wanting more glory? Or is it to actually give back and to really be a shining light, even if it's for one other person? But if you're doing it for one other person, you're often doing it for many other people. So who is our community? Who's looking up to us? I was mortified a few years ago to learn I was actually in the Philippines doing some work and some young people were telling me about you know who they aspire to be and a lot of it was media driven um, at the time this was well before politics you know they were more interested in um, uh, Paris Hilton and Donald Trump because they're seen as heroes because they're on TV but what were they doing on TV it was they were rich and famous and telling people what to do and look at the wonderful life that I live, is that a true leader or is it somebody who's actually making a difference in other people's lives? So we all have different views of what makes a true leader, but it's not easy to step out from the shadows, step out from what your family might think, step away from how other people do things to do what you know to be true within your heart. You know, Jacinda Ardern to me was one, a really great leader. She came with great compassion to what she was doing. She was dealing with great tragedy at times, whether it was people losing their lives with uh, volcano eruptions, you know, shootings, earthquakes, really difficult situations. 
And the first and foremost, she came in with real heart and hugs at times. I'm here to stand by you. What is it that you truly need? And to really listen to that and then create solutions together, not just about what you think needs to be done, but listening to them. And that's why it's so hard for some of these people that have been flooded three and four times. They're just not being listened to to give them solutions that they want and need. It's part of the problem in Australia right now with the Indigenous voice. They want and need a voice. We've made decisions. We've had committees of people to fix Indigenous problems in the past in Australia, not a single Indigenous person. Most of them are, you know, male and white, white males (laughs) making decisions. How can you do that? You've got to have that diversity mm-hmm. um, and have listened to what people are saying. So I'm I'm obviously pro-voice here in Australia. Uh, we need we need to listen to everybody's voices because when we truly listen, even if they're people you would disagree with, if you listen hard enough, you'll often find what they're saying. I'll just in closing up. I took various delegations off to the Conference of the Parties, United Nations Climate Change Conferences over the years. And I remember being at one in particular, um, and I think this one was Copenhagen, and there were lots of political leaders that were there. And I was going in, even though I knew they had a different message to mine, I wanted to hear what they had to say. And when I sat and listened, some of them weren't saying climate change isn't real. They were saying, I need to keep jobs in my community and therefore, this is what I'm fighting for. That's a very different message if you listen very carefully. So in those situations, if people are concerned because the coal industry or whatever is transitioning, if you give them what they need, as in tra- new transition pathways to new jobs, you're going to solve that problem because they weren't telling us they didn't believe in climate change, yet that's what the media was commentating on. And don't get me started on them because they are <laughs> a big part of the problem. You know, they focus on sensationalism and misinformation even, you know, and it's coming out well and truly these days that they're doing that. So trust your gut, question anything that's being said and go out and do Gosh. what you know needs to be done. Yes. And, you know, just I've got a picture of a mole under the earth, just like drilling, you know, just just stay on course. Don't let anything um, stop you. Don't let anything stop you. And if there's, for me, I have three, if there are three um, negatives that come along, three things that shut down, that's an indicator to me it's not the right time. It's not saying it's not going to happen, so I'll detour and I'll park that. I may come back to it or I may not. So don't. Be a little careful. Don't be too dogged with what you want to do because sometimes it's not the right time and place. And for me, stepping away and pushing so much to educate business, government, community here in Australia, it was easier for me to go, they're not ready yet. I've done my bit for now. And to focus on students because that's changing generations. Mm. And they are going back and they're changing their homes and their communities. And now I'm excited because I'm getting leadership programs within schools that are that they're waking up and going, oh, my goodness, I'd never conceived of this. 
um, and it's bold and um, but when you've got the right people who see it, they wake up and it's like, yes, this is this is the path that we want. You know, future generations, um, there's some really bright kids out there and they're hungry for the solution. So that's, I've done a bit of the whole global picture with the big projects. And in Australia, I have mostly focused um, on education. Uh, my major client um, is Australia's oldest environmental charity. And it's really exciting and heartening working with people who are all driving towards a similar goal. So it's great to have real teamwork all mm. headed in the same direction. Anne-Marie, you are extraordinary. And uh, just on behalf of everybody who's watching this, thank you so much for your work. I really, really just respect and honour you and I know everybody who's just listened to this conversation. I know they, are just in, they are just amazed. I know that they are amazed just at your clarity, all, yeah. your, you know, fortitude. Thank you, because it's not always easy, but I would be a mess if I just listened to, you know, the negative voices that are out there. I know what needs to be done and I just want to get on and do it. And I'll go around it if I have to or create something totally new. And um, just my final words, uh, please reach out if you need any help because <laughs> I am here to support you. I'm here to support you. Thank you, Ness. That, that means in the world to me because the work that I do do with you is so important to keep me sane, to keep my heart open and to keep me balanced. I mean, man, I'm hardly balanced. I work ridiculous hours. <laughs> uh, but like everybody, you know, it's like I find those little things, those little points of uh, that create love and joy for me and I do them as often as I can. And for me today, why would I miss an opportunity to have a chat with you and to talk about something <laughs> I'm passionate about? So Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much and thank you, everybody, for watching. And uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Alicia. Bye.